ESPN Sports Radio 1392.5. Now for something completely different. We're going to bring, bring it all together. Because that's the bottom line. Bottom line. Bottom line. ESPN Radio 1392.5. It's the bottom line with Brad Taylor. Sports talk from a handicapping perspective. You are listening live here on a Sunday morning. Thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. Uh, Miss Judy, please take your meds this morning or I will make you walk that 500 yards away to that ramp instead of helping you up those stairs. 859-381-1313. If you'd like to call in and join in on the conversation, you can email the show anytime, bottomlinelex at gmail.com. And you can chime in if you follow us on Twitter at bottomlinelex. Coming up on today's show, our official Bottom line, SEC Tournament Countdown is now down to 10 days. It's been a long nine weeks for the Big Blue Nation since we started this countdown. So it's finally, and mercifully, coming to an end next week. Thank God. We are now down to one undefeated team in college basketball. But will that team be the first undefeated team since the 1976 Indiana Hoosiers, a Big Blue Nation favorite, our unranked traps, another winning week, two and one last week, now hitting twenty and four straight up, eighteen and six against the spread on the season. Don't believe us? Check out our podcast, WLXG.com, and hear the winners for yourself. Our bracketology one oh one class continues this week. Everybody knows those upsets happen in the first round of the NCAA tournament, but where and how do we find them? We will discuss. In case you haven't noticed, spring training opened this week. And the desert says, has their say what the Reds and every other Major League Baseball team will do this year with their win totals. Because, of course, we are the voice of the Reds. All 162 games will be heard here on ESPN Radio 1392.5. And, of course, as always, the most profitable segment in Lexington Radio, our Mac Daddy Stogie Picks, all that and much, much more. Today on Lexington's fastest-growing sports talk radio program. But first... Revenge of the Nerds. Do you remember that movie? Revenge of the Nerds? You have to be of a certain age. Well, I'm pushing 50. Well, I am 50. So yes, I am of that certain age. The year was 1984. I was a kid. I got a really bad haircut to start that summer. So I didn't want to go out very much until it grew out. But the Summer Olympics were all over TV that summer. Because back then, the Summer Olympics were still a thing. It was still a thing on television. It was a big event. After living through the 1996 Summer Olympics down in Atlanta, I can tell you from firsthand experience being right there in the middle of it, the Olympics are the most overrated experience in the history of the world. One day I'll share my story of the night I was at the Olympic Park when the bomb went off. But that's another story for another day. But in 1984, the Summer Olympics were a big deal on TV, especially because the Olympics were being held here in the USA in Los Angeles. During those Olympics, those television commercials had some cachet, and they were all over the place. And the one commercial I still remember seeing was for a movie called Revenge of the Nerds. And as Wikipedia describes it now, this movie was a teen sex comedy. And as every red-blooded American teenage boy, I wanted to go see that movie too. And also, just as predictably, 
Miss Judy was not going to let me go see that movie. And she made the right call. She was a school teacher. She knew how teenagers reacted to movies like that. And that's okay, Miss Judy. I saw it on HBO about nine months later. How you like them apples? That's another story for another day as well. I digress. But the gist of the movie was that a bunch of self-proclaimed nerds got into a war with a bunch of football jocks, and somehow the nerds came out on top, mainly due to chaos and anarchy, and with a character named Booger, who was best known for wearing a T-shirt with the question, who farted on the front of it. I'm just reporting the facts, ladies and gentlemen. I'm not voicing an opinion here. By the way, we are not opposed to chaos and anarchy here on the bottom line. In fact, when it comes to sports, we root for chaos and anarchy. But somehow, some way, as only can happen in those 80s teen sex movies, the nerds overcame the jocks, won the war, got the girls, like they always did in Hollywood in the 80s. Because that's when the good guys always won. Kind of like how Hulk Hogan always won in wrestling. Because he was a good guy in a real American. His words, not mine. It was predictable. The good guys won. And in the eternal struggle of nerds versus jocks, the nerds won. Equate that to yesterday. As Florida defeated Kentucky 71-67 in another game. In which Kentucky was favored at home and lost. Kentucky now 8-14 and on the season. 7-8 and eight in the SEC, and more important to us, 7-15 and 15 against the spread. Only two Power 5 teams in America are worse than Kentucky out in the desert, Arizona State and Michigan State. Both in addition to Kentucky are huge disappointments this season. But Kentucky came into this game as the favorite. Was it because of the home court? Maybe. But the numbers say the home court advantage has never been a less of advantage than this year. Was it because Kentucky went to Florida in January and won in Gainesville for what is still their most impressive win of the season? Right up there with Tennessee. But we think the Florida one is a little better. Possibly. But the biggest reason Kentucky was favored yesterday is a couple of things. Recency bias, public perception. Kentucky was coming off a very impressive win in their last game, last Saturday in Knoxville, for their third straight win. So after three months of lousiness, this team was finally finding their way. And John Calipari has been using his famous late-season tweaks to get this preseason AP Top 10 team back on its way to the NCAA tournament. But let's look at that amazing three-game winning streak a little closer like we do here on the bottom line, analytically, without emotion or being a fan. Sure, Kentucky's win over Tennessee was impressive a week ago Saturday, but the other two wins in this winning streak weren't nearly as impressive as the Big Blue Nation would like you to think. In fact, the first two wins of this streak versus Auburn and Vanderbilt were both games that Kentucky failed to cover the point spread out in the desert. So yes, they won the game, but the experts thought they should have won by a more impressive margin than a two-point win over Auburn and a four-point win over Vanderbilt. But I can hear the Big Blue Nation now. We don't care about those darn point spreads. We just want the Cats to win, and that's fair. Not everyone cares about point spreads. 
And not everyone has action on these games. That's fair. I get it. But even if you never wager a penny on a game or never enter your office pool, point spreads are an indication of what the most intelligent people in the business think of your team. But it's also a reflection of what the public thinks. Because the desert, our friends out in the desert, they want equal action on both sides. They don't care who wins these games. They just care about making money. So if they put Kentucky as a two-point favorite, two-and-a-half-point favorite, that's where they feel that the public will value Kentucky, overvaluing them merely because they have the name Kentucky on the front of their jersey. So flashback to yesterday. Kentucky, a two-point favorite in the opening line out in the desert for this game. The line goes up to two-and-a-half on Saturday morning before settling back to two by game time. But why was this? Our Lord and Savior of basketball analytics, Ken Pomeroy, said Florida was going to win this game. The OG of basketball analytics, Jeff Sagarin, he also said Florida was going to win. And even ESPN BPI said Florida would win. So all the nerds said Florida was going to win the game. So why is Kentucky favored out in the desert? Public perception. Oh, Kentucky's back. Recency bias. Oh, Kentucky's won three in a row now. you got to ride the team on a streak. Well, if you look f- closely at those three games, like we said, two of those were not as impressive as our friends of the desert thought they should have been. Oh, but they're still wins. And we went to Tennessee and we won. We blew them out of the water. You're right. But if you're trying to handicap games and pick winners without being a fan, it's impossible to look at all the other factors involved. So in handicapping this game, you have to ask yourself, what do you trust more, the nerds or your eye test? In retrospect, as is often the case, the nerds know more than we do. Yeah, I'm including myself in that. The nerds know more than I do. Am I some coach? No, I'm not a basketball coach. I don't know anything. But I know how to read box scores. I know how to look at numbers. That means more out in the desert. That means more when trying to predict who's going to win these games. But as far as this game yesterday, Florida did something that I'm shocked more teams don't do more often. They went to a zone defense. I go back, when it comes to zone defenses, and John Calipari, I always go back to the first team that Calipari had here in 2010. The number one seeded team with John Wall, DeMarcus Cousins, and Eric Bledsoe still in the league. A dec- over a decade later. That team was the number one seed. They played West Virginia in the regional final. Bob Huggins comes out and says, we're going to play a 1-3-1 zone and dared Kentucky to make three-pointers. And they'd still be out there trying to make them if the rules didn't say you had to go home after 40 minutes. That day, 11 years ago, Kentucky went 4 of 32 from three-point land. 4 of 32 against a zone defense from three-point land. And they lost the game. They were favored to win in the Elite Eight round of the tournament. That's a recurring theme for Calipari here in Lexington. Calipari, as we said last week, he's lost eight times in the NCAA tournament while at Kentucky. Seven of those eight, Kentucky was favored to win the game out in the desert. And after the game yesterday, Calipari, God bless him, He's been the most entertaining part of the season. 
mainly due to his post-game press conferences. And if you saw him at the end of the game yesterday, he looked like he'd had enough. His hair was not perfectly combed like it used to be. A little touches of gray here and there. Wearing the pullover, not wearing the the suit like he used to. The hair's out of place, disheveled. Just looks a little tired. And I don't blame him after this year. But what's he come out and say in the press press conference after the game? They played 90% zone. I like it when teams play zone against us. Oh, really, coach? Well, the numbers, a.k.a. the nerds, say that the opposite is true. You don't like it. Because the numbers say you don't do very well against it because you don't usually have guys who can shoot. Oh, the next two games we have to play this week. We've got to play Ole Miss. We've got to play South Carolina. They're going to play at least 99% zone on us. 99%. Is that an exaggeration? Probably. Probably like the story of Miss Judy telling her vaccination story about having to walk all the way around the horse park up here in Lexington. But every time Calipari gets on the mic, it's almost like he's trying to send Jedi mind tricks to other games, trying to talk future opponents out of playing the zone against him. So what does conventional wisdom say if they're playing a zone defense? What should you do, Calipari? Ah, find a good three-point shooter. Oh, we got one. His name is Dante Allen. Oh, yeah, you remember him. He basically saved Kentucky back in early January after John Calipari was ejected. And Bruiser Flint left him in against Mississippi State and basically was the hero of that game. Well, quietly, Dante Allen has somehow found himself back in the doghouse. At least he got four minutes of playing time yesterday. But a funny and ironic thing I found. Dante Allen didn't play in the first half, but got into the game in the second half. Huh. Do you remember way back early in the season when all the Big Blue Nation was yelling from the rooftops, why don't you play Dante Allen? And one of the excuses Calipari came up with, an empty excuse, for not playing Allen, was that once he forgot to play him in the first half, and when he remembered in the second half, he did not play him because Cal has a rule that you don't play in the second half unless you played in the first half. Remember that little pearl of wisdom? Well, Calipari broke that little rule yesterday if it is an actual rule or not. When Florida wins zone, here comes Dante Allen. Hey, good move, coach. And according to Calipari in the post-game press conference, Calipari told the team to find him, and they didn't. So, of course, who do you punish? Do you punish the regular players for not passing in the ball like you told them to do? No, you take Dante Allen out instead because it was his fault that his teammates didn't throw him the ball. Welcome to 2021, The season of flawed logic. If Dante Allen transferred after this season, would anyone in the Big Blue Nation truly blame him? Not at all. More Calipari quotes after yesterday's loss. Our players, they're not robots. We were timid, and the the inexperience kicked in at the end, and we still should have won the game. Boy, that sounds like a lot of excuses if you ask me. But the one that really just annoyed me. We had chances at daggers, and we missed every opportunity badly. By the way, has the word and the term dagger, has that become the most overused phrase in sports right now? Everybody's yelling daggers every time somebody hits a three-point shot. Oh, that's a dagger. And why did you have to miss every opportunity badly? Maybe you just missed it. Did you miss every opportunity badly? 
It's like when somebody is a sports gambler. They're not just a sports gambler. They're a degenerate sports gambler. You have to use that adjective to describe it a little better, even if it's not true. Maybe you should have called a better play at the end on that last possession than Olivier Saar yet again missing a crucial shot at the end of the final seconds. How many times has he done that this season? A bunch. But let's look forward now like we do on this show. We don't look back. We look forward because we're fortune tellers. Try to predict the future here on ESPN Radio, 1,392.5, the bottom line, with yours truly, Brad Taylor. So now there's no chance whatsoever at an at-large berth in the NCAA tournament. Just forget it, Big Blue Nation. I'm sorry. We've been telling you this for nine weeks. It ain't happening. And now Kentucky has hurt their odds even more to win the SEC tournament because the loss yesterday guaranteed the fact that Kentucky will have to win four games in the SEC tournament, not three that they could have if they had won yesterday. So the odds of winning the SEC tournament just dropped some more because of that additional win that they have to win, the game that they have to win. But the buzz yesterday after the game, I enjoyed hearing that Kentucky was trying desperately to schedule someone to play this coming Thursday. But of course now, after they lost to Florida, I guess they're no longer considering that. Why not? You just don't want to play now? You're wasting everyone's time? You don't think your freshman could use another game? Not enough money to turn on the lights across the street over at Rupp Arena? Or did your flawed logic actually think that you could qualify for the NCAA tournament with a win over Florida and sweeping out the rest of the games without winning the SEC tournament? We've heard buzz that Houston was coming to town with Kelvin Sampson. Boy, you talk about honor among thieves. John Calipari and Kelvin Sampson. Uh Uh-huh. Those two. Do they deserve each other? You didn't hear it from me. But Houston is currently projected to be a number two seed by Joe Lenardi. That would have helped Kentucky's resume. Or the buzz that we also heard that number one, Gonzaga, might have been traveling to Lexington to face the Cats. Why forget about that plan now? Finally coming to grips with the fact that the SEC tournament's your only ticket to the NCAA tournament? Obviously, you don't listen to this show because we've been telling you that for nine weeks now. Nothing has changed in our view. But then again, we're just nerds here on the bottom line with Brad Taylor, ESPN Radio. So let's look ahead now to the final week of the Kentucky basketball season. Whether you like it or not, this season is finally going to mercifully end, the regular season anyway, will end this week. Quick drink of water there because I'm yelling too much, because I'm outraged by this team. Tuesday night, Ole Miss. Kentucky travels down to good old Oxford, Mississippi. And Ole Miss, 13-10 on the year, 8-8 in the SEC, 12-11 against the point spread this year. Somehow, this team lost to Vandy yesterday in Nashville. Not a good look. But there's a few coaches I refuse to bet against in the regular season. Not because I like them personally. I don't care about them personally. I like coaches who can cover point spreads. And the numbers say the best coaches in America at covering point spreads in their coaching careers in the regular season are Tony Bennett at Virginia, Jay Wright at Villanova, Dana Altman at Oregon, and Kermit Davis at Ole Miss. Sometimes you have to do research to find these things out. By the way, I don't know anyone else named Kermit other than the Frog and this guy. I'm sure this guy never hears that. Oh, well, we are the cheap shot artists here on the bottom line. Anyway, Kermit Davis 
was really good at Middle Tennessee. Everybody remembers that uh, first day upset in the NCAA tournament back in 2016 when his number 15 seed Middle Tennessee took out number two Michigan State that year, who was actually the third betting choice out in the desert to win the tournament, even as a number two seed. A lot of people ripped their brackets up that day. But Kermit Davis against the spread, while he's at Ole Miss, 47-31 and 31 in his three seasons. That's 60.3%. That's very good. When he's at home, Kermit Davis at Ole Miss, 16-9 and nine against the spread. That's home SEC games. 64%. Small sample size, true. But still, enough to tell you, this guy always exceeds expectations. And Kermit Davis has faced Kentucky twice in his days at Ole Miss. Both times, Kentucky won the game. But both times, Ole Miss covered the point spread. Both times, Ole Miss was an underdog in those games, too, of course. But, of course, Calipari, we talk about his woes all the time. On the road to the SEC, Calipari gets a spread, 45-59, and 43.3%. That includes 3-5 and five this year. Those numbers are worse when Calipari is an underdog, which he just might be in this one. Calipari 8-15 and 15 against the spread as an SEC underdog on the road. That includes a win a week ago Saturday against Tennessee. Ken Pomeroy says Ole Miss will win this game, 64-63. The betting line for this one will be very interesting. This game should be around a toss-up, but like yesterday, public perception and the square money, always on Kentucky, will probably push Kentucky to be a small favorite in this game when they shouldn't be. And if Ole Miss is an underdog by any number in this one, I'll probably be looking to take them. Kentucky will end their season, the longest in program history, next Saturday against South Carolina. The Gamecocks, 6-12 on the season, 4-10 in the SEC, 7-10 against the spread. They've been hit hard by the COVID this year. So like Kentucky, they've lost you a lot of money this year, just not as much as Kentucky has. Frank Martin, the coach of South Carolina, he made the Final Four in 2017. Calipari last made the Final Four in 2015. I'm just saying, those are facts, not opinion. Frank Martin, about as mediocre of a coach as you can find out in the desert. 118 up, 116 down against the spread in his days at Columbia. But as an SEC roadrunner dog, he's about even there as well. 32-30 and 30 against the spread, Martin is. When he's a road dog in the SEC, that's 51.6%. But, of course, when Calipari is an SEC home favorite, like he was yesterday, not a good investment. 48-53 and 53 against the spread, including 1-5 this year. You really want to invest in Kentucky at this spot again next Saturday? Good luck. Ken Pomeroy says Kentucky will win this game quite easily, 76-69. It's nice. Kentucky will be favored. And like we said, if Kentucky is getting more than two possessions, which they probably will be based on South Carolina's struggles this year, the name on the front of the Kentucky's jersey will push that line a little further up than it should be. We might be looking to take South Carolina to keep this one a little closer than our friends of the desert expect. But a week from now, we will be talking about the long-awaited SEC tournament. And don't think it's long-awaited? We've started our SEC tournament countdown on this show nine weeks ago. And the good news for Big Blue Nation is that Kentucky has a history of actually overachieving in the SEC tournament under John Calipari, unlike the regular season when they are consistent underachievers. That's not my opinion. Those are facts. Those are data. In fact, 
If you had paid attention to those nerds who ran the numbers for you yesterday, you would have been on the right side of that game against Florida. So going forward, would you rather be a nerd and trust the numbers and have a better chance at predicting the winners? Let's say Kentucky is not going to win the SEC tournament or qualify for the NCAA tournament? Or are you going to hold out hope that your gut feeling and your eye test will stop lying to you and Kentucky will make a run like no other team in program history? There's a reason the nerds got that revenge. Because they were right. And that's the bottom line. Coming up after the break, we will go to the rest of the world in college basketball and go over our unranked unranked traps of the week, which are so hot somebody needs to call the fire department. But first, I am third. I am third works to carry out that belief through a commitment to serve the city of Lexington and surrounding counties through basketball, soccer, equine, tennis, and a variety of other sports, camps, and recreation activities. And it's a big day today at I Am Third. Their big winter basketball championship games are this afternoon. And you'll hear some updates later this afternoon from out uh, from out there during commercial breaks of our NBA game today here on ESPN Radio. So we're excited about that. So are they. Not sure what the line in the desert is for those uh, games out at I Am Third today. But I'm sure I'll make some phone calls to find out. So call our friend Jeremy Hobbs at I Am Third to inquire about their spring programs. That's IamThird.org. That's the letter I, the word am, the number three, rd.org. I am third.org. ESPN Radio, 1300, 92.5. It's 1984, and the Chicago Cubs are taking the field on WGN. That's how I spent my summer. Thanks for joining us this morning on the bottom line with Brad Taylor. We appreciate it very much. College basketball yesterday, absolutely crazy. Number two, an undefeated Baylor lost. And they lost bad. They lost by 13 points to Kansas, who's uh, coming around at the wrong time of year, if you ask a lot of fans that are not Kansas fans. Uh, Kansas was a four-and-a-half-point home underdog. That shows you how much respect Baylor had out in the desert, being a four-and-a-half-point dog on the road, or a four-and-a-half-point favorite on the road at Kansas. That was a big upset. Number five, Illinois beat number 22, Wisconsin, by five. Not It was an upset because uh, Wisconsin was actually... A five-point favorite in this game. Not often you see a number 22 five-point favorite over number five. It happened yesterday, but number five won. Illinois takes down Wisconsin, who might be on the fraud end of things. We don't like them going into the tournament. One of our unranked traps yesterday, or lower-ranked traps in this case, number 18, Texas Tech, took down number 14, Texas, by nine points. Uh, We were very proud of that one. We'll get to our unranked, lower-ranked traps in just a minute. One that uh, really caught our eye yesterday because we were going to take it for this week when they have a rematch. I'm uh, going to have to look at that one again. Unranked Oklahoma State took down number seven Oklahoma. And o- Oklahoma State was a six-point underdog in this one yesterday. They have a rematch on Monday. They probably will not be a six-point underdog in that one. Some more unranked traps yesterday. Uh, number 13 Creighton lost to unranked Xavier. Unranked North Carolina. Took down number 11, Florida State. Uh, Yeah, you don't want to go against Roy Williams in a spot like that. That's why he has 900 wins now. Some games we wish we had taken. Unranked Utah over number 17, USC. By the way, the SEC, unranked Auburn took down number 25, Tennessee. A team that uh, John Calipari last week said was probably going to make the Final Four. Uh, Maybe not so much. And around here, Louisville went to Duke and they won. Basically, that was a Lunardi special. 
Lenardi, Joe Lenardi of ESPN, had Louisville in one of the first four in, or the last four in, Duke one of the first four out. That kind of might have sealed Duke's fate out of this tournament, but of course they'll be a number one seed in the NIT. And we all heard this week that the NCAA tournament is going to take the four top seeds of the NIT and they'll be kind of like alternate teams. So if one team uh, drops out of the NCAA tournament for COVID reasons up in the bubble, in the bubble, then one of these top four seeds of the NIT will just step right in no matter where they're at in the bracket. So if you're a team like Duke and you're the top seed of the NIT, what's to stop you from going to one of these little small schools, number 16 seeds that make it, and just writing them a blank check? Here you go. We're doubling the money you're going to make normally for making the tournament. Here, just take this check. We won't tell anybody. Neither will you. But we'll take your seed. All you got to do is just go claim you've got the COVID, and uh, we'll just take your spot. Nobody will ever know the difference, and you can cash this big check that it was twice as much as you would have gotten. What's to stop that from happening? Nobody knows. Gonzaga, they won again last night, finishing their regular season 24-0. We told you a month ago that a great prop bet to take was to take Gonzaga to finish the season, the regular season undefeated. We hope you got in on that when you could get a decent price on it. Gonzaga has the second highest Ken Palm rating since the site started in 2002. Who had the highest? You guessed it. Kentucky, when they went 38-1 back in 2015, how did that season turn out again? Oh, yeah. Sorry about that, Big Blue Nation. So, yes, Gonzaga's the highest-rated team in Ken Palm history other than that Kentucky team. But, as we've seen, it doesn't guarantee a national championship. Let's get to our unranked traps in the words of the Wires' D'Angelo Barksdale. Money be green. Another 2-1 week straight up and against the spread. For the year now, 20-4 straight up, 18-6 against the spread in our unranked slash lower-ranked traps. 18-6 against the spread, that's 67%. Oh, yeah, we'll take that anytime. And again, if you don't believe us, go to our website, WLXG.com. Listen to our podcast. Our program director, Sean C., he's good to us. He gets our shows up on the site not long after the show ends. So if you can't listen on a Sunday morning, just go to WLXG.com and check out our podcast anytime. This week's unranked slash lower ranked traps. We have three unranked traps this week. A game we talked about a minute ago. Number seven, Oklahoma, will have a rematch with unranked Oklahoma State. Now, when the new rankings come out, Oklahoma State will probably sneak into the top 25, and Oklahoma will probably drop a little bit. But in these games, take the unranked team, take the lower ranked team. You're going to have them straight up and against the spread. Oklahoma State will win the rematch in this one. They'll take this one down again mainly because they have the best player on the court, Kate Cunningham, number one draft pick. Tuesday night, number 23, Wisconsin, who took one yesterday the wrong side. They will face Purdue, who is unranked, but has a history of playing very well against the spread at home. Matt Painter does very well at home Big Ten games. Take the unranked Purdue Boilermakers to take down number 23, Wisconsin. And Wednesday night, rankings we don't understand. We saw Florida yesterday. Are they worthy of a ranking? They might be. We've seen number 24, Missouri. Are they worthy of a ranking? Eh, probably not as much as Florida. Florida will be at home. Florida's unranked. Missouri's number 24. Give us the Gators. Big. They're, who cares about just coming off a game against Kentucky? Gators big. Two-possession, three-possession game in this one. We'll take the Gators. So there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, our unranked traps. Monday night, Oklahoma State over number 7, Oklahoma. Tuesday night, unranked Purdue over number 23, Wisconsin. Wednesday night, unranked Florida over number 24, Missouri. 
Take them straight up. Take them against the spread. However you can get it, do it. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen, our unranked traps. Looking to continue our hot streak. But now it's time for our Bracketology 101 class, the fifth class we had this so far uh, leading up to the NCAA tournament. The other subjects we've had, first round upsets that aren't really upsets, what round to take the favorites, what round to take the underdogs, and the best and worst coaches in the tournament. Again, if you want to be reminded of these little bracketology tips, how to pick your brackets and how to cash tickets out of the desert this March, again, go to our website, WLXG.com, and look at our check up our podcasts, and you can hear all those little tips and trends that are money makers. But this week, we're looking at that first round upsets, and everybody loves the first round upsets. Sometimes when you get your brackets, you try to outthink the room, and you pick crazy first round upsets that probably don't have much of a chance. But what are you looking for when you're looking for the first round upset? We're looking at teams that play defense at a slow pace. Now we always talk about Ken Pomeroy in this show. He one of his big numbers pace of play, and that's why he can predict games a lot better than just normal uh, algorithms. Pace of play. When you find teams in the tournament that play tough defense and they are slow, those are the teams you want to go with in the tournament. Here's our trends when it comes to that. We're looking for teams with less than 72 possessions a game. You can find all that on Ken Palm. Heaven forbid you have to do a little homework to cash a few more tickets than anybody else instead of just looking at your bracket. Oh, I think I'll take this team. Well, you know what? The wise guys out in the desert are doing their homework. Maybe you should do your homework too if you want to actually cash some of these tickets or win your bracket pool. Possession, 72 or less in a game in the NCAA tournament in the first round and the spread in these games are five points or less. Those are the teams to look for. Teams that have a chance, teams that play defense, teams that play at a slow pace. If you've done that in the last 15 years, against the spread, you've hit 48, lost 31, 60.8%. That's in the first round. When you take slow-paced teams with a short spread, five points or less, as a dog, those are the teams you want to look for as upsets against the spread in the first round. Now, when you're looking at filling out your brackets, and that's what I know a lot of people out here are doing, the lower-seeded teams, we're looking for the lower-seeded teams of these, if you take... Just straight up now, the teams that are with the same criteria, 72 possessions a game or less, first round of the tournament, they're a worse seed, which means they're either the 9 facing the 8, the 10 facing the 7, whatever. If you do those, 32 and 31, that's very good because you're taking underdogs. When you're looking for underdogs, do you expect to win more than you lose? No. But when you do it in your brackets straight up, you still have a winning record. Again, first round, Possessions, 72 or less. All you have to do is go to Ken Palm. Those numbers are right there on the front page. And the spread, five or less. It means the desert has given them a chance to win. Whether you're the underdog against the spread or the lower seed in the brackets, you cash tickets. You will win your bracket pools. Everything's good. So that's what we're doing when we're looking for our first-round upsets. Slow-paced teams that are underdogs, and they play defense. Those are the that's your bracketology one on one class for this week. When you're looking for the first round upsets, slow pace. That's what we're looking for. Short dogs, seventy two possessions a game or less. That is your bracketology tip for this week. Coming up after the break, though, the most profitable segment of Lexington Radio, our back daddy Stogie picks, and a little baseball win total talk we might be able to squeeze in. But first. 
We say it all the time. In the real world, a friend did need is a friend did deed. But on the bottom line, a friend in need is a pest. And if you have unwanted pests in your home, call our good friend Matt Schaefer with IPM Pest and Termite. They have decades of experience here in Lexington, and they are the best in the business at what they do. So check out IPM Pest and Termite today at myipm.com. That's myipm.com. That's IPM Pest and Termite, your neighborhood pest professional, myipm.com. ESPN Radio, 1300, 92.5. That's Van Halen's best song, by the way. Just saying. Bottom line with Brad Taylor. Hey, thanks so much for joining us here on this Sunday morning. As always, I've rambled too long. It's already 945, and I've already I've got so much stuff I still need to get to. It's like I've got so much on these Sunday mornings. Our Mac Daddy Stogie, we're going with one game today. The Iowa Hawkeyes against the Ohio State Buckeyes. You're looking at two teams that are both in the top ten right now. In fact, Ohio State still projected to be a number one seed in the NCAA tournament coming up in March. Iowa right now, a two or a three, depending on what you look at. If you're looking at the Lunardis of the world, he's got him as a three right now. Some people have Iowa as a two. But one thing you're going to see a lot of today is a lot of scoring because our good friend Ken Pomeroy loves Ohio State and Iowa offensively. Iowa, the number two team in America on offense. Ohio State, number three. But... Their defense, a little questionable. Iowa ranked 81st. Ohio State ranked 87th in defensive efficiency. Does that mean we're going over or under today? No, but what it does mean for me is that I probably am looking to take Iowa in this game. Iowa's lost seven games this year, 12-10 and 10 against the spread, while Ohio State, 18-6, 14-8-1 against the spread. Two high-scoring teams, two teams that could make the Final Four of the NCAA Tournament. I also wouldn't be surprised if either one of these teams lost in the second round of the NCAA tournament. This line started at three, now up to four and a half right now. Ohio, Iowa's the four and a half point dog. And our trend for this game that we love these trends now, when you're trying to take these teams, you want to fade the top five teams when they're very small conference favorites. Ohio State's a small conference favorite today. When the spread is minus is seven or less, you want to go against these teams when they're ranked in the top five. So you see a very highly regarded team as a very small favorite. There's a reason why, because the desert has a lot of respect for the underdog. That's what they have in Iowa in this one. We'll take Iowa. Ken Pomeroy says that Iowa will lose this game, but only by two points, 83-81. We will take the Hawkeyes today. Uh, Iowa has an injury today, but Garza, their best player, he will be playing, so no problem there. We'll take Iowa getting four and a half. Might want to wait closer to game time. You may be able to sneak in five. We'll take the Hawkeyes today, getting four and a half, our Mac Daddy Stogie for today. But something we wanted to touch on, spring training opened this week. Spring training games about to take place. That means, thank goodness, tomorrow's the first day of March. Thank God, this winter of our discontent, finally over with. We are the home of the Reds here on ESPN Radio, 1392.5. 162 Reds games you'll be able to hear this year. Out in the desert, our friends in the desert say the Reds will win 80 and a half of those 162 games. So basically, they're a 500 team. Is it a safe bet to take the Reds to go over that total? Uh, No, it's not. Why do I say that? The Reds have the longest streak in all of Major League Baseball in going under their projected win total out in the desert. This goes all the way back to 2013. So for eight years now, 
Whatever the desert says the Reds are going to win in terms of number of total games they're win this year, they've gone under the last eight years in a row. Last year, they won 31. The desert said they were going to win 32 and a half. So yes, even during the years after Dusty Baker left, they were terrible. Now that they're trying to get back by spending a little bit of money, well, they didn't spend much money this year, but they spent a lot last year. They've gone under the total. Is there any reason to take them over 80 and a half this year? Eh, maybe. We're going to go over that as the year progresses. Of course, we saw some other uh, win totals out there that really piqued our interest. Uh, the Dodgers, 103 and a half wins is their total out there. That's crazy talk. Nobody ever get, covers the total. Anytime that a win total is over 100, invariably all those teams go under that total. We would take the Dodgers to go under, but it's tough to go against them to win the World Series, even when they added Trevor Bauer, the former Red, who got the Cy Young last year. Did he deserve it? Yeah, he was the best pitcher in the league, but man, is he a jerk. Just say <laughs> everything you read about him, he's a jerk. Uh, yeah, other teams in the National League Central that the Reds will be going up against. The Cardinals are the favorite at 86. That's their win total for the year. The Milwaukee Brewers, 83 and a half. By the way, that's my pick to win the division. I would take the Brewers over 83 and a half and to win the National League Central. The Cubs, they're on their way down again. 78 total wins. They're predicted to go under 500. This team just won the World Series what, five years ago with a lot of those same young kids that they had at that time? You know, Bryant and Rizzo and, and Baez, they're st- and they're still going under 500 this year? Yeah, and the Pirates, they, the Pittsburgh Pirates, good news for the Reds, you're not going to finish last even if you only win 60 games. The Desert has the Pirates winning 58 games this regular season, the worst in all of baseball. So that's good news if you're a Reds fan. At least you probably aren't going to finish last. That's the good news. Will you finish fourth? Eh, maybe. The desert says there's a pretty good opportunity that you might. The desert says you'll finish third, over or under. We'll see as the year progresses. But now we're going to have to go to a break right now. When we come back, we're going to get ready for the day on ESPN Radio. A few parting shots. But first, when I was a kid, my mom got me a pair of thermal underwear. On the outside of the package, it said, laugh at the cold. Well, that's what I've been doing all winter, laughing at the cold, because I got my car fixed at Clark's Auto Service. I got my car, my heating. I need some heat before the winter started. They fixed my heat right up, and now I laugh at the cold every one of these cold mornings when I get in my car. I just turn on my heat. I don't even have to let it warm up. That heat just warms me up. I have to roll the windows down by the time I get here to the studios. That's Clark's Auto Service. Make sure to check them out online, clarksautolexited.com. They're the best in the business. Bill Clark, Ethan Hall, the good folks over there. ClarksAutoLexington.com. ESPN Radio, 1300, 92.5. As always, we thank you so much for listening. We appreciate it very much. Coming up today on ESPN Radio at 1145. That's before noon, ladies and gentlemen. Number eight, Villanova is at number, well, they're not unranked, Butler. Villanova, an 11-point favorite in this matchup. Uh, Normally, this is a spot where we'd be looking to take uh, Butler in the points for some reason. But, like we said earlier, we never like to go against Jay Wright, not my friend in Atlanta, but the coach of Villanova in the regular season. Still 11 points is a lot, so get your action down and listen to this one today. 11.45 here on ESPN Radio. Number 8 Villanova against Butler. At 3 o'clock, we go to the NBA. The L.A. Clippers and the Milwaukee Bucks get together. Milwaukee, a two-point favorite in this one. And, don't forget, during timeouts of this game, we'll have reports from the IM Third Winter Basketball Championship games, so make sure to check them out. 
And on our sister station, uh, Hank 105.5, it's NASCAR Sunday. Today at 3.30, it's the Dixie Vodka 400. I can't make these names up, ladies and gentlemen. The Dixie Vodka 400. Denny Hamlin will be on the poll. I guess Cale Yarborough failed to qualify. Oh, well, tune in today at 3.30 on Hank 105.5 for the Dixie Vodka 400. Put that Dixie Vodka in your red Solo cup and listen to live NASCAR action. And, of course, tomorrow is the first day of March. Thank God. That means one thing around here. The NCAA tournament is almost here. And, of course, we've been saying it for weeks now. We will have start-to-finish coverage of the NCAA tournament here on ESPN Radio from the first four to the final four. And, of course, Tuesday, March 16th, make sure to tune in. A special bottom-line bracketology spectacular where John Clay, the Lexington Herald leader, and I will go head-to-head picking these games. There will be plenty of hurt feelings on that show, I can promise you. That's our bracketology spectacular, Tuesday, March 16th. Don't call the desert or fill out your brackets without it. Thanks again for listening to The Bottom Line with Brad Taylor. Remember, you can email us anytime, bottomlinelex at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at bottomlinelex. And until the next time, as always, may the winners be yours.